catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome to Talking Transfers, a brand new show from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth. Toby, how are you doing today? All good, thank you, mate. All good. Looking forward to uh, Europa League second leg, West Ham Frankfurt this week, where we can turn it around. Toby is buzzing. Uh, how are you doing, Graham? Yeah, I'm doing great as well. Probably not looking forward to the Rangers second leg just as much. I had to sit through the first leg, which was okay, actually. But in terms of transfers, desperately disappointed in some of those Leipzig players, especially Nkunku. Really disappointed. He missed a big week. chance, didn't he? He only caught it out of the corner of my eye. I think he, he did, yeah. He took it end. past the keeper and put it over. But the overall game, yeah, to be fair, they were, they were really poor. Apart from... Conrad um, Lema, I think the midfielder, he was very good. So at least I spotted one talented player. He is one for, uh, I, I want to put this nicely, the stats nerds. I think he's, he, he measures highly uh, with a bunch of uh, midfield statistics. He's quite high up in the list. And, he, and there are people, as a result, saying that X big club should buy this player, Conrad Lema. He'll, he'll probably be linked to a bunch of clubs over the summer. So we've got nothing on him today, uh, but uh, keep an eye out for his name. I think that's already started, Florent, to be honest. I think he's been linked with about three or four clubs. Yeah, I've seen United and Tottenham. I did I did look up for him. Right? He was one who went past, but he, he did play very well in that game. But you could argue it was against Rangers and Rangers with a better team, actually. What's so. the what's the tip then for the Europa? We already know one half of the Champions League draw mm-hmm. or Champions League final. Uh, and then Real Madrid v City is anyone's guess at the moment. But what's the Europa League final tip? So you a West Ham going to march to Seville, Toby. We are better away from home. We're better equipped away from home. And actually, the same with Frankfurt. They haven't got a great home record. So that tie is still open. They were better than us in the first leg, clearly. But we can still turn it around. And we've crucially got some players back fit, which I think could be key. Yes, indeed. We'll hope for uh, an all-British final. Should be an interesting one. Uh, And just a reminder, this is a brand new weekly show where we'll dig into the latest on the futures of the biggest names in world football, be it players or managers. And on today's edition, we've got a bumper list for you. We've got a chat on Aurelian Chouameni, some interest from Real Madrid and Liverpool, Sadio Mane talk over a new deal, which you can see on 90min.com in the next few days, uh, if not already, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, we've got talk on Reese James, Kylian Mbappe, Adam Hlozik, uh, linked with West Ham. And then obviously we've got to do a Man United section towards the end. Jesse Lingard, Marcus Rashford, Frankie de Jong, potentially. And then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with how Pep might react to Jurgen Klopp's new deal at Liverpool. Uh, just a reminder as well. You can subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at Graham Bailey for Graham, and at Toby underscore Cudworth for 90 Min's top cat. But let's get back to uh, Monaco midfielder Aurelian Schuermany, who is probably one of the biggest names set to move this summer. Uh, mind you, there's going to be a lot of them on there, but he's, he's one of the most promising midfield prospects in European football. Uh, France International has really broken through at Monaco over the last 18 months or so, perhaps longer. Chelsea had an opportunity to sign him last summer. Well, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But Graham, uh, Real Madrid and Liverpool are at the head of the queue. Is that the right way to put it? I would say more they, they are joined, they've firmly joined the chase for him. They both have been watching him a lot in the last six months because this guy really has kicked on. You know, Chelsea were looking at him massively last last summer. They thought about paying forty million for him, but backed away slightly. They thought about buying him, doing a loan, um, loan back with Monaco. And now looking back, they will regret not doing that because he is he is one of the midfielders in Europe, and he's top of Chelsea's list. Chelsea love this guy. He's they would rather sign him from what we understand than Declan Rice, not because he's better, but he's just a slightly different player. Um, you know. It, well, he is, yeah, because we we believe sixty million around sixty million euros would get this done. 
Now, in terms of Real Madrid, they're looking at it and, and they don't want to pay for him. They like him, he's on the list, but they're thinking we think we class him as like a Camavinga type player. And if we remember, they paid 40 million euros to Camavinga, but you know, he's a bit more advanced, I would say, to Chimani than, than Camavinga. They are different players, um, slightly different styles. You know, Tuchmani is a bit more attacking, I would say, Camavinga a bit more defensive, but I haven't seen too much of either. Actually, in the last six months, but I think they, they, they've got legs, haven't they? They really have. But Chelsea like him a lot, and but a lot's going to come down to Chelsea's ownership issues. You know, it, it seems to be a new story every day about ownership. We're not going to get into detail here. We're not going to bore everyone to death on what the latest is on that. But we've got a few on that. I mean, everyone had a few updates coming about Jim Ratcliffe, etc. But in terms of this player, yeah, he's great. And, and Liverpool are in for him as well. Not the the bid hasn't been made by Liverpool. They are looking. I was speaking to a few people at Liverpool covered the, the Liverpool Newcastle game at the weekend, and and he's very much on their list. But Liverpool have got a lot of midfielders at the moment. We were discussing, weren't we, Toby, about Alex Oxford Chamberlain isn't even making the bench. He's not in the squad. Uh, Minamino is not in the squad. So Liverpool have some players to move out. We believe before they would bring someone like Tuchemani in. Doesn't mean they won't, but I suspect from from what I'm hearing, I would still. Almost make Chelsea favourites, but don't rule out Real Madrid here because Real Madrid like this guy a lot. They really do think he's probably one of the... They, they think he's up there with Jude Bellingham, Real Madrid, I'm told. Uh, Toby, can I just ask, because uh, obviously we've reported extensively on Chelsea's interest in uh, in Chouamani over the last few months. But obviously there's the ownership uh, uncertainty hanging over them at the moment. But with that has also come... Uh, inability to renew contracts, which means Antonio Rudiger will walk away, likely to Real Madrid. Uh, Christensen, likely to Barcelona. Thiago Silva's going to stay, but you know we've seen this season that they don't really have too much depth underneath that, especially when they play three centre halves. Uh, midfield has been a position that they've needed to strengthen, but with somebody like Romelu Lukaku, who was bought last summer for a hundred million ish now being on the bench all the time. That's another player that they've got to get out and they'll probably need to replace him. There's fans are criticising, Chelsea fans, that is, criticising, they criticise Marcus Alonso for his levels of performance. Do they need an alternative to him instead of Ben Chilwell? Because Ben Chilwell's been out for a while. And there's also big criticism on the players around the central strike as well, apart from Kai Havertz and uh, Mason Mount, really. So are we? do, do you, from, from your perspective, think that, that could hold them back, the fact that other positions might take priority over central midfield? It's tricky, isn't it? Nine months ago, you wouldn't have thought Chelsea would be in this position where they're in a bit of a quandary of where do they want to strengthen? They probably had one or two weak areas, or they felt they had one or two weak areas that they would maybe go and look to strengthen. Chiumeni was somebody they really should have signed last summer for all intents and purposes, and they didn't. Um, He's got better in that time, and there's no doubt in my mind that he would improve Chelsea's midfield greatly. And if anything, we've seen recently that N'Golo Kante is possibly declining a little bit as well. Still very, very high level, but maybe his legs are um, giving way a little bit. He's, what, 31 years old now? Jorginho's not getting regular game time all the time. He's had a few injury problems. He's also dipped a little bit. Um but Chelsea desperately need central defenders or they're going to need central defenders. And they've probably got four or five positions that they're now thinking, Christ, we need to sign somebody. So too many was the absolute need for them last summer. He might not be the number one priority right now. But having said that, I still think Chelsea need him more than, say, Real Madrid or Liverpool at the moment. Liverpool's midfield is also knocking on a bit in terms of age when you look at Henderson and James Milner. They could be looking for one or two replacements in the coming years, but they don't need it right now. Um, Real Madrid's eyes are locked on Kylian Mbappe and very little else, Um, even though that's not going to cost them anything in terms of transfer fee. It will cost them an awful lot in terms of wages and other other top-up fees. So Chelsea's an interesting one, Um, but I do feel that he would best be served going to Stamford Bridge. And as Graham says, I think he is the preferred option to Declan Rice purely because he's very, very good going forward, but he can also play the anchor role so well. And that's something Chelsea need a bit more um, 
supporting. Graham, similar question to you there. How much surgery elsewhere outside of the midfield do Chelsea need to perform once the ownership is sorted out? Yeah, it's a tough one. You know, we know that Tuchel isn't happy with the forward department. It's one reason why I think they might still look at the midfield because Mason Mount intrinsically is, I think, is a better centre midfielder, but he's going to be playing that forward role because... You know, the likes of Ziyech, Pulisic, Hudson and Doy, they're just not performing for him. But and Mount is, so Mount's going to end up playing there for the foreseeable future. And then with Conor Gallagher coming back, that'll mean even less room for Mount in there. So, yeah, they do need an awful lot in defence as well. Um, we know that Koundé is probably coming in, what we're told. He wants to go. They're going to wait for him, even if Chelsea's ownership thing runs on. They're going to be him. They're very... Chelsea are very impressed by him. He is not accepting advances from elsewhere, we're being told, so we think he'll go. But they need that. If else, you know, they were looking at Koundé, if you remember, Chelsea, were looking at Koundé when they saw Kurt Zuma. And that was when they thought they were keeping Rudiger and Christensen. And then they've lost. So that's three centre-halves they've lost and possibly only one coming in. Now, Silva's been doing well. So part of the reason they're playing back three is because he's, he's there and he can't, he can't stick it in a, in a back four, I don't think. But... Another player, Levi Colwell at Huddersfield, who you'll see in the playoffs. I think he's back from injury now. He's a spectacular player. Left-footed, centre-half at Chelsea. Don't be surprised if he comes straight back in to the mix. And I know they've got Chalabar, but this guy is better than Chalabar. So they may, they may only need one more. I mean, if they think they've got Koundé, Colwell comes back, Silver. They may only need one more. It looks to me, G, that they're papering over the cracks at Chelsea a little bit. They played three at the back to mask some of the problems that they've mm. got. Um, yeah, totally, totally. I think the silver thing, silver's getting an awful lot of plaudits um, from some of our colleagues on 90 Minutes, especially. But when I watch Chelsea, Rudiger is everywhere. He is from side to side. P- people, I, I think Chelsea Sands are a bit down, Rudiger has no he's going, but he has had such a great season. He's up, he is everywhere, that boy. And I think Thiago's been claiming some of his plaudits, as it were. And I think we may see suddenly, oh, Silva's not playing as well as he was last year. Oh, yeah, really, because Rudiger's at Real. <laughs> this is where bringing like, someone like Germany into midfield, though, could help solidify what's in front of that defence. Mm. I think Thomas Tuchel ideally would want to play a back four. You don't see big teams playing three central defenders unless they absolutely have to. Um, it just Which is why, as you said, why the Germany thing might make sense, because even though Jorginho and Kante are there, the legs are going a little bit. And Jorginho, you know, with the interest we've seen from Sarri at Lazio and in Italy, it wouldn't be a major surprise, would it, if we saw Jorginho go back to Syria this summer, which would then, if he did go, that would pay for Tuchemeni to a certain degree. Yeah, there's uh, there's contracts in 2023 to address as well. There's a number of players who Chelsea have to tie down. Obviously, they will be losing some players on free transfers this summer as well. Uh, we... I did actually intend to make this a Liverpool heavy section, but it seems like Chelsea have just taken over a little bit. Uh, and before we cycle back to Liverpool, we now may as well just uh, talk about uh, Rhys James too. Uh, Graham, it was reported uh, on nightmin.com in the last few days that despite interest from Real Madrid, which I'm sure people have seen, uh, Chelsea are hoping to tie down Rhys James to a new deal. Yeah, they're going to reward him. You know, Rhys James is... He's England's first choice right back. He's one of the best right backs in the world. He, he you know, he's the right hand side version of Ashley Cole for me. He gives everything going forward, but he can also defend. Who, who uh, the miraculous of modern football, a, a fullback who can defend? Graham, um, Trent or Reese James? Reese James, hundred percent. Me too. And, and that's Gar- 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 That's not even a conversation. Gareth Haven. Uh, we, we've seen that. Trent, Trent was Trent only just made his Euro squad. Reese James is playing that playing there. I would personally, I'd play, I'd play Trent on the left. I think he could play out Philip Lamberall. Um, he is light years ahead of anything we've got on the left. Chill, Chilwell may be with the exception of him, but I still think Trent's better than Chilwell. I would play Trent on the left. I really would. Gareth Southgate, listen up. Put Trent in like a quarterback position next to Declan Rice. Reese James can play right back. Trent tucked in kind of the right side of a two-man defensive midfield. He's spraying passes all over the shop. Declan Rice is running the show everywhere else. Happy days. Still time to potentially experiment with the... There's an international break coming up at the end of the season, at the end of the domestic Mm -hmm. season, uh, the club season, which 
I think there's as many as four games. A lot of work to do for that too much. English defence, but I, I think, Gareth, there's, only, there's probably only three or four spaces in that squad available anyway. I think the likes of Conor Gallagher and Joe Gomez, who's been playing well, I think there's only three or four spaces to change from the Euro squad. I don't think there's many spots available in that Gareth Southgate World Cup squad. Uh, there will be more chat on World Cup and that kind of thing in the in the next weeks and months. I'm sure we'll do a little bit around the international break as well. Which does that depend if Wales season. wins, Scott? Though we're, we're, well, we're we'll talking World Cup, if Wales get there, we're talking World Cup if Wales get there. We yes, we that will have a big influence on whether I go to the World Cup <laughs> and whether we talk about the World Cup because this is a transfer show. Obviously, uh, we better get back to it anyway. I think we Toby Trent or Reese James to you uh for the right back role Reese James because I think he offers absolutely everything and just on Chelsea as well giving him a new contract being the priority is 100% the right thing oh so I, I didn't answer Scott's question that yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but because because it's not even the conversation Chelsea have said as soon as that takeover is done he's getting the contract that his new thing to sit that his new status in the footballing world deserves. He's not looking to leave. He loves it there. You know, and this Mason Mount stuff with his links, he'll get a new contract pretty soon as well. Chelsea, the new whoever the new owner is, some of their first jobs, yeah, it may be to, to get rid of Lukaku, but second to that will be tying down James Mount, probably Chilwell as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's cycle back to Liverpool and keep on the tone of new deals. Uh, Sadio Mane, Mo Salah out of contract in a year's time, but Jurgen Klopp has just signed an extension to his Liverpool deal, keeping there, him there for another four years uh, as a United fan. Awful news. Uh, but yes, he's done an excellent job at Liverpool and now attention should likely turn to keeping the players there. Uh, not We won't talk Mo Salah today, but Sadio Mane in line for a new deal, but perhaps will not get exactly what he wants, Graham. Yeah, it's a strange one, this one. The His people have been told you will get an offer. It won't be till the summer. We know from late last year that he was wanting around the £300,000 mark, which would have made him the highest paid player at the club. Considering Virgil van Dijk is currently the highest paid, he's only around 230 Incrementally, it'll go up to about 250 this season coming. But he only signed that in August last year, van Dijk. So I think Liverpool are saying, especially at Man, is saying, well... Do you, why should you get more than Van Dijk? He, he only signed his deal recently. Let's take a club-friendly deal. I think Manny is the sort of player who probably would take a club-friendly deal. But he, he has to be... He is not certain of his future at the club. No, we've said this before with Salah. The Liverpool's current three, if if we went to the Champions League final, if we fast-forwarded, if, if Jurgen Klopp named Jota and Diaz in, in that final, it wouldn't surprise us at all. And that is such to the extent now where... think. Two years ago, Firmino, Manny and Salah, who would have thought we'd have even contemplated moving on from M3? And he's already replaced two of them. So I'm, I don't, I, I'm not convinced that, I don't, I don't think both of them will sign. I think Manny probably will because he's the most likely to take the club-friendly deal. So I think Manny might, but I think there's talking to be done because I don't think he's in a that strong a negotiating position. Liverpool will, I think, make it, take it or leave it offer to him. And if he doesn't sign, they'll move on and look elsewhere. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll move on briefly now because we've uh, been waffling on for a little while on topic one, or there's been a few in that. But well, let's move on to. I did want to talk about Real Madrid uh, and Kylian Mbappe, their pursuit of him, which just seems like it's never ending at the moment. But Kylian Mbappe has only, now we're in May. Two months, less than two months left of his current contract uh, with Paris Saint-Germain. There's been noises out of PSG to suggest that he will extend. Uh, but the latest from the Madrid camp, as it has been for a long time, Graham, is that they're confident they've got him. Yeah, I've been talking to a few people the last few days close to Madrid. And, and as they have been probably since January, Scott, they're very cool and calm. They're not coming out and saying it. You do notice, don't you? They're not really coming out and saying anything in Madrid. A little bit from the local Madrid papers and stuff. And But Mbappe, he's just playing a straight bat, isn't he? He's not upsetting either camp. If not, He's not really upsetting either camp. And he's been so professional the way he's gone about it. If, if you were Florentino Perez and you're getting this lad, 
You'd be so excited about the way he handles himself, wouldn't you? About the way he's dealt with it. I know a lot of the Haaland stuff isn't his fault and, and, and all these other players you're going after. But if you were Perez, you're going after the greatest player in the world and he's not even mouthing off or doing... You'd be so delighted with what you're getting. But yeah, I think we'll, we'll do an update on this um, with the next couple of days and you'll be able to read it on site as you're listening to this. But yeah, we understand from Real, they are very, very confident they are getting Mbappe. And they have reason to be. They, uh, they've been quite confident with Rudiger for a little while now. Uh, and looks like they'll be snapping him up on a free transfer. Uh, Kylian Mbappe to follow. You would expect... It's been going that way. For, we've been reporting this for about two, three years, Graham. That this is what Real Madrid's plan has been. Yeah, we, we've kept um, we've kept on on, the str- on this road for quite a while. They were going for the three musketeers, weren't they? They always wanted... The the first plan was to get um, Kante, Pogba and Mbappe. The, the Kante switched to Camavinga, which they got last summer. They're getting Mbappe. Pogba has that switch to Tuchemani, quite possibly. But Pogba could still be an option as well. You know, I wouldn't rule, I wouldn't necessarily rule Pogba out, but we'll uh, touch on him again in the coming weeks, no doubt. But yeah, it, it's been the plan all along. I love, I just love the way Perez works. You know, the, he's taken a lot of, he's very close to Sir Alex Ferguson and, and the way this planning's gone. Real Madrid have been so professional, have been the absolute opposite of the shambles that's been Barcelona recently. And I think Real Madrid fans can be so happy with the way that club's been run at the moment. Yeah, they used to go for the uh, the Galactico version of, you know, spending lots of money on the hottest prospect on the market or something like that. But they have, they've gone a couple of summers without really spending any money, Toby, uh, in order to get their house in order. And they've still managed to retain levels of success. They've just won, obviously, La Liga in the last few days. Great picture of Carlo Ancelotti with a cigar, by the (laughs) way. Uh, I'm sure everyone's caught that. Uh, And... They're in a Champions League semi-final against Manchester City. Uh, we're recording this set well ahead of that game. But, you know, are we seeing Real Madrid back as a superpower, Toby? I think so. And I think a lot of that has to do with Carlo Ancelotti, who is grossly underappreciated, I think, throughout his managerial career for what he's achieved in so many different leagues, um, as well as on the European stage. He's a winner. And when he went to Everton there was this weird perception that immediately Everton needed to be a top six or a top four team because they'd hired Carlo Ancelotti and that he could, and because they weren't doing that, um, they were still doing well, but because they weren't at that level, that he was some kind of failure, um, which is utterly bizarre because he's now obviously gone to Real Madrid and he's taken them back to where they belong with a helping hand from Barcelona, who have been pretty abject for the best part of 12 months, 18 months, if not longer. Um, but he's got the best out of players as well. The progress from Vinicius this season is unbelievable compared to last year. Karim Benzema somehow has taken his game to a whole new level. And these are world-class players in their own right. But having Carlo Ancelotti at the helm, somebody who's been there, seen it all, done it all, won it all, has just kind of knitted that group together. And there's going to be some turnover. They're going to get rid of some players this summer that they don't need or that are out of contract. Gareth Bale is going to be a huge amount of money off the wage bill. I can't believe it. It's finally coming to an end. Yeah, end of an era. And Ed, how long has Eden Hazard got on that horrible contract he signed at Real? Graham, say at least two. another two. Yeah, at least another two. So he's, you know, these big contracts. This is, and, and, and someone like Eden Hazard, Obamayeng, Ozil, the FSG at Liverpool, coming back to him for a second, will be taking a long look at these sort of deals. When you're handing out 400 thousand pound 500 600 in hazard's case a week you have to be certain you're going to get the full value out of the length of this contract now more salad i don't doubt will be a world-class player in three years but can you can we guarantee it so you can see from fsg from fsg's point of view not even playing devil's advocate i can see from their point of view saying should we give should we give this guy a four-year contract on 500 grand a week or should we give jürgen klopp 60 million to find a new one he was going to get paid 100 or 150 grand a week. It's looked in the last few weeks with Liverpool that it doesn't It doesn't seem like, you know, taking Salah out of that team a few weeks ago or a few months ago would have been catastrophic, essentially, because he scored so many goals and contributed so much mm-hmm. to them that you just couldn't really see them succeeding without him. But now it's like, as you mentioned earlier, they've got like five players. And if he named Diaz and Jota in, in a front three in the Champions League final, 
and you yeah. put Mane on the right or Mane wouldn't, up wouldn't front. surprise us, would it? Wouldn't and that could happen, but as well, the other guy who they've got coming at Chelsea, Liverpool, sorry about quickly, Fabio Carvalho. He he is I can't I've seen him a lot more than you have guys in the championship, unfortunately, but he is such a spectacular player. He is not coming there as a project. He's coming there to compete for first team. I, I watched him last night, Graham. I saw Fulham tear Luton apart 7-0. Three players stood out like a sore thumb. Harry Wilson was brilliant, and I think he got three assists. Alexandra Mitrovic, who you've been banging the drum for for ages, saying how good he is, and me and Scott have kind of giggled and said, yeah, championship. He was great, and he was linking up the play superbly and just bullying defenders, just having that physicality and just running the show. And then Fabio Carvalho, who didn't look like a teenager whatsoever. He looked like a seasoned pro who had been doing it for years. And it just seems to come so naturally for him. I, I haven't watched too much of him, but what he did do yesterday looked effortless. He's spectacular. He's not costing much money, but that's because everyone's thinking, oh, why Liverpool getting him for a five, seven million pound deal in total? He's out of contract. And yeah. so as they stole Harvey Elliott away from Fulham, they're doing the same now. Fulham are pretty sick of the sight of Liverpool at the moment um, with those two players. But Carvalho... And remember, he's he's actually as well, I understand. He hasn't chosen between Portugal and England yet. He could go to the World Cup with one of those teams, quite conceivably. be interesting to see. He is a massively highly rated player. Uh, and just one other thing, Graham. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic, record breaker? Yes, obviously. We just poo-pooed that. He isn't a record breaker. <laughs> second, second tier. We know George Campbell of Middlesbrough fame. Um, in the 1920s did it um, he scored 59 in one season and it was over 42 games and he refused penalties and uh, yeah my granddad told me stories of George Campbell um, because the following year that, when he scored 59 he was the top scorer in English football history in one season the following year Dixie Dean broke it to 60 goals by one so that's why we don't really know about George Camps. I know you two guys don't really know him. He, he was he sort Football of a, started in 1992, Graham. I'm yeah, sorry. exactly. Yeah. So um, it did for me to stench me. But yeah, George Camps in Middlesbrough. Hopefully I'm going to do an article at some point this week when I get a chance to uh, really <laughs> jump home. Because his, his, main, his main claim to fame is his, is his England goal scoring record, where he scored 18 goals in nine appearances for England. Next thing, you'll be telling us that they weren't playing on picture perfect pitches and really light footballs that move and wobble in the air. Yeah, he, yeah, he's no Jared Bowen, Toby, but yeah, I think he's, I think he was, uh, he, he was decent in his own right. Fantastic segue, Graham. I actually wanted to go to the West Ham camp uh, next. So, Toby, uh, we've spoken about Europa League. It looks as though West Ham might end up coming seventh in the Premier League, uh, barring. Well, Man United are still there to collapse, of course. Uh, but, you know, performances and results have kind of ground to a little bit of a halt, although it's not over yet in the Europa League. Is uh, it over for West Ham's hopes of signing Adam Hlozik? Well, potentially. So it's a story that's going to come out on 90min.com over the next day or so, or it might already be out, depending on when you listen to this podcast. But... Daniel Kretinsky invested in West Ham at the back end of last year. He took just under a 30% stakeholding in the club. And that's with a view to taking over at some point in the future. Could be 2023 when the stadium lease terms change, or it could be a bit after that. But as well as the money that's coming into the club are his close links with Prague, um, and specifically Adam Hlosek, who is one of the Czech Republic, if not the Czech Republic's best prospect. Um, a teenage forward who's incredibly powerful. We saw a little bit of him at Euro 2020. Has an exceptionally bright future and a lot of big European clubs are tracking him. And that's been common knowledge for the best part of a year. And West Ham have been interested in him prior to Kretinsky's arrival. And it was hoped that him coming in would actually help facilitate a deal. But from what we've learned, David Moyes has been offered the chance to take Adam Plosek on loan to West Ham next season. It's an offer that's come specifically from Daniel Kretinsky. It's not available to any other club. Um, it's part of the close relationship that West Ham have through Kretinsky. And there's an unwillingness at this stage for West Ham to commit to a deal. They're just holding fire and wanting to assess their options. So doing that doesn't mean that they've lost Losek, but it certainly opens the door to the likes of Borussia Dortmund and a couple of other big European clubs who are taking a look at him and... We've already touched on West Ham's form dwindling a little bit. This 
back end of the season. They need bodies. They need players. And Holosek is a young player with plenty to learn, but he's an unbelievable talent, isn't he, Graham? Yeah, he really is one of the next big things. He's suffered a bit with injuries, hasn't he, Toby, in the last few months. And also, he plays a lot on the left as well, doesn't he, cutting in. He's, he would he would fit the system beautifully. I think he's suited the English game. And we know West Ham's relationship with Czech players. Um, obviously, David Moyes' relationship with Czech players is coming into question, given Thomas Suchek's questionable future at the club, which has been... Obviously, we broke that story, didn't we, Toby, a few weeks ago, but now everyone's latching on to that, and it's been taken very seriously, and the West Ham fans are very fearful. You could very well have the heart of your team ripped out here, Toby. It's, it, it, although exciting times, worrying times ahead, Toby. It is, and the Socek thing is bizarre. I've seen a lot of supporters suggesting that if Thomas Socek were to go, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. And it boggles my mind, because although individually he's not been as good as last year, I tweeted that he's played 127 games for club and country since January 2020, when he first came to West Ham. That's nuts. That's a ridiculous amount of football. Um, over four games per month continuously for just over two years. Um, and he hasn't been great with his passing and he's looked tired and leggy, but you would, wouldn't you, when you're playing that much football? And he was at Euros, wasn't he? So he didn't have much time off. He was captain at Czech, wasn't he? So he had a long Euros as well. Yeah. And, and as you say, he virtually plays all the minutes for you. It's not a surprise that... It's covered, him and him and Declan Rice cover so many. I don't know what the stats are. I'd imagine them two are in the... There must be in the top 10% of midfielders cover, coverage-wise in the Premier League. Must Absolutely. Be. It's, it's a positional thing as well with Socek. He may not be cutting the ball out or he may not be... His pass accuracy might not be down, but he's in the right position and he allows Declan Rice to be in the right position and he allows Declan Rice to flourish, um, both from a defensive point of view, but also a playmaking point of view. He makes those driving runs at times and Thomas Socek holds position or vice versa, Rice drops deep and Socek ventures forward a bit. He's crucial to this West Ham team and he cannot be allowed to go, or you would have thought he cannot be allowed to go because he's played so much football. There's obviously no one else at the club to replace him. Noble's retiring. Alex Kral is not good enough. Um, more bodies have got to come in. Socek's got to stay and West Ham do need to start gambling on players. I know David Moyes wants to get the right profile in, but is he in a position to turn his nose up at talents like Klosek when it's offered to him? I, I don't think he is. That strike me as a very Borussia Dortmund-style signing, but I did just want to uh, round up on West Ham here. I, I guess this is mainly to... That's to both of you, really, but more of an opinion uh, than than anything else, really. Do West Ham need to bite the bullet here and kind of... Is, do they need to shoot higher in terms of the wages that they pay to players? Do they need to just think, all right, look at, looking at this now, are they going to take a decision to be a selling club and cash in and then replace players with the money that they get on a similar kind of structure? Or are they just going to have to shoot higher a little bit and just take the hit? This is a transitional thing for West Ham in terms of identity. They haven't been able to think like a top six or a top eight club because they've been so yo-yo over the past few years. There was one good season under Slavin Bilic after we'd been promoted the last time round. But outside of that, it's kind of been scraping top 10 finishes and it's very hard to commit financially when you don't know how you're going to perform. And West Ham have spent badly in the past, really badly. Um, but at the same time, you can't be left behind. And the progress that's been made over the last two years means that the immediate focus probably needs to be rewarding the likes of Jared Bowen with new contracts and then assessing from there. But there can't be a reluctance to just pigeonhole going after a certain profile of player and not pulling the trigger on anybody. Every club takes one or two risks in the transfer window, minus Liverpool, who seem to get it right with everybody that they sign. But yeah, new players probably needs to take a back seat in terms of get two or three people nailed down to a new deal and then build from there. But they can't have the selling club mentality. Otherwise, it will just go back to how it's always been. Maybe uh, you're two games away from Champions League football, Toby. Two games in the Europa League. Maybe that'll change things. Yeah. But, uh, 
we'll it's see. A, it's a tough. It's a tough one with the Declan Rice situation. I d- that's the situation where he's purely out. In my point of view, he's, he's outgrown West Ham. It's like a Paul in sort of thing. He's got to that stage in his career now where he does need to move on. But as Toby said, it's 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 the Boyns, it's the Ben Johnsons, it's the Sucheks, it's the core of the team. And as David Sullivan has that decision to make, and I think Toby, I'm not sure whether you agree, but if David Sullivan isn't willing to take West Ham to be a top six team. Kutinski is. Let let him come in now. Let let him produce that. You know, there's someone there willing to offer more money. And I think that's the thing where Sullivan, it's tempting, is it, where he's saying, Oh, why should I increase my budget? We're top six, seven now. Why should I double my budget just to finish the same place? <laughs> and it's a, it's a it's an interesting one, but they have got the, the man ready to step in, haven't they? to come in. So the West it's a, a bit, it's a huge summer. It's a huge summer for Western. A lot of this is gonna depend on Daniel Kretinsky's eagerness to see a return on his albeit relatively minor investment, does he want to take a more hands-on role sooner rather than later? If the answer to that is yes, then we will probably... But Sullivan, if you get Champions League football, Sullivan's not going anywhere, is he? He yeah. wants to be on that TV yeah. with, with Champions League. He's not going anywhere, is he, when you get in Champions League? What, one thing I will say is West Ham will draw the ire of Daniel Kuczynski if they turn down these deals like Klosek. This loan deal isn't available, and and, and allowing Thomas Suchek, who Kretinsky is understandably a huge fan of, yeah. letting him get away. Yeah, there's got to be a bit of give from both sides. Um, so it will depend, I guess, on how the Europa League semi final and final goes. We're not getting too ahead of myself yet. Turn it <laughs> don't around. talk about the final, Toby. You're in the semi, yeah. okay. we'll just win on Thursday and then we'll go from there. <laughs> Uh, let's let's move on to the Manchester United section with a nice West Ham tie-in. Jesse Lingard, former West Ham loanee, had an excellent spell there last season. His brother uh, and representative after United's 3-0 win over Brentford on Monday night with a nice public statement uh, condemning United for not giving him his send-off that he so desired after 20 years of service to United even though he was outed as, uh, well, inadvertently, I think, or maybe accidentally by Paul Scholes, outed as, uh, you know, one of the leaks from the dressing room saying that the dressing room was, uh, in quotation marks, a disaster. Uh, There have been suggestions, Graham, in the last few days that Lingard could end up staying and being a part of the Ten Hag project. That's not going to happen, is it? No, I think of all the, the players who are still there, he's not one who will. Obviously, Marcus Rashford, I know we've done a, um, we've done a story together on that, Scott, haven't we? Marcus Rashford is willing to look at the situation. Um, he's got two years left and includes his extension. I think Rashford wants to see which coaches come in, but with Lingard, perhaps, you know, Steve, Steve McLaren is going to be a big appointment for United. He's going to be that in encompassing figure he's going to bring it bring the dressing room together that's what Ten Hag wants with a bit of history but who is friends with him he's not a separate figure who he's never worked with so I think the Steve McLaren appointment is crucial here it, it, you know, if, if Ten Hag went to Jesse tomorrow and said look there's a two-year deal stay here you will play I think with a, but can can Ten Hag guarantee Lingard any minutes of course he can't he's he's got Ralph Rang, 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 saying he's not a good player so um, and I think it's time for Jesse to move on. We'll see with him. And, and then, but with Marcus, I think that's the intriguing one, you know. We'll see, you know, in the Marcus Rashford's heart of hearts doesn't want to leave. And I think every proper United fan in your heart of hearts, you know, I was never a huge Danny Welbeck fan. Marcus Rashford is a step above. Marcus Rashford is potentially a world class forward. And I think Ten Hag knows that as well. And I don't think Ten Hag's going to let Rashford go. I think he will give himself at least 12 months to try and get the best out of Rashford and save himself 100 million in the process. Because then if you get Rashford firing, there's some money you can save. Is there a suggestion that United might be better off cashing in? Uh, again, from a, the perspective of, you know, Jaden Sancho has moved into that left-wing position after being uh, pursued for two years to fill the spot on the right-hand side. There's interest in Anthony. Uh, from United, as we've reported, is it more logical to potentially cash in on Rashford and replace him with Anthony? So you've got answers on both sides. Although for me, I still think Marcus Rashford should be given a chance at centre forward. I still think he's got everything to play centre forward. He on his days, good touch, good in the air, quick. You don't want Rashford coming off the back of centre. Imagine if Rashford was playing against Harry Maguire, it'd be a nightmare, wouldn't it? So I, I think he's got a chance there. I, I don't see you selling him. 
will he will he be including any potential deals? You know, Barcelona like him, and as we're about to touch on, I guess, mm-hmm. um, could he be offered to Barcelona deal? I I think he's just too young to be giving up on. What is he? Twenty four now? Yeah, twenty three. He's just too young to be get. You don't give up on one of your homegrown players like that. You know, again, going back two years, Rashford was the anointed one for England. He was playing every game. He he was only going forward, and I feel a bit sorry for Rashford because it's United's coaching appointments that have meant he stagnated. You know. He didn't improve a single bit under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and who I still think is getting off so lightly with this current state of the squad. Ole Gunnar should be standing up and taking a lot of the criticism for this because the state of this dressing room, the state of that United team, 90% is down to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Notedly, he noted, signed off with tears in his eyes saying it's a great group of lads, didn't he? Yeah. Shame I don't know how to coach him, but yeah, great. great <laughs> uh, yeah, United have a big mess to sort out this summer. Obviously, we know that there's a lot of players that uh, have uncertain futures, Marcus Rashford being one of them. And as Graham says, their uh, story from each of us uh, on Marcus Rashford's future on 90 min, uh, likely going up around the time that this podcast drops as well. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, and yes, you did mention Frankie de Jong there, Graham. Uh, been contrasting reports over the last few days about his future with Barcelona. Now he's a big earner on the Barcelona books. Uh, potential problem about getting him out. But what's the... Obviously, Eric Ten Hag is coming in. He worked with de Jong. He was part of that Ajax team that reached the Champions League semi-final romanticised greatly. Obviously, they were within a whisker of actually going to the final against Liverpool, but Tottenham uh, broke their hearts on that day. And then that squad was broken up. You think of De Ligt, you think of Van der Beek, you think of uh, Frankie de Jong as well. All of these players went to different clubs, but it's not worked out of Barcelona for him. And obviously, with Ten Hag coming in at United, there has been perhaps an obvious jump to make that they might it's not working out for Ten Hag. Uh, it's not working out for De Jong at Barcelona. So, could there be a reunion on the cards here? And what's the latest on United's interest in the player? Yeah, there is an interest there. Ten Hag knows the player a lot, and he he isn't top of the list. He's not banging his fist on the table. Ten Hag saying, "Bring me the head of Frankie De Jong." It's not that at all. But he knows how to get the best out of him. He was he was wonderful at Ajax. He really was. The big issue here is the contract he's got. He's been given during the the Barca era um, of the delinquents who are in charge of the finances. He's on 250. He's already on a deal. More, he's on more now than what Bruno Fernandes' new deal is. That shows you how much Frankie de Jong is on. It's a very, very difficult situation. But Barca would be willing to let him go. Obviously, United would be paying 250, possibly if they got him on the reduced terms. I think he is. I think if, if the situation comes up, from what I'm told, it is something United are looking at. They're willing to, but they realise it's a. It's you know United have got a lot of play these players themselves. They know how hard it is to get rid of him, so they know the Barcelona side of the coin as well. I think there could be player exchanges, possibly a rash, but I think more likely a long-term loan with a obligation after a certain amount of games, possibly. You know, some something along those lines. Um, I think it's possible. There is an interest there, but I think there's an appreciation at United's end as well. It would be a very difficult one to do. So I think we'll see how keen Ten Hag is on getting it. But I think it's a mouthwatering prospect because the best we've seen of De Jong is under Ten Hag. Absolutely. Uh, myself and Graham have been discussing this. I would like it to happen. Uh, let's just say that. I do, I do think he's a... He's the type what, of player about, that United what haven't had. What about McFred, Scott? You, you, you two lovable rogues in midfield that you adore. Well, let's remember that when the trio were at Ajax, De Litt, De Jong, Van der Beek, De Jong was the one who was talked about as being the best of the trio. Mm-hmm. And Barcelona play, paid De Jong that amount of money because they thought they were getting a generational talent midfielder. He was yep. being billed as being that good. And they were signing him not to then look to sell him four or five years down the road. He was going in to be. He was a Cruyff. He was a Cruyff. He was going. He was going there for ten years. He was their yeah. new Cruyff and new Xavi, wasn't he? And and I, I don't think he's been. But and and he's been okay there. But he wasn't. He's not being signed to be okay. Is he? He's, as you say, so he's been signed to be that. 
next Messi, whatever. Yeah, when Messi left, it's okay. We've got Frankie de Jong, the best midfielder in the world. They thought they were signing the best player in the world, really. Yeah. Yes, indeed. He is uh, about to turn 25 later this month, so he's got plenty of time ahead of him. Uh, Barcelona are looking to... Well, we all know the Barcelona financial situation. They've been linked with uh, Carlos Soler from Valencia in recent days, and you can't really see them adding a player like that unless they do get somebody off the books. It does seem like De Jong is... One of the players may be at risk, uh, and we'll have more on uh, Frankie de Jong's future on Lightning Min over the course of the next few weeks. I think this one might run a little bit. Uh, United might have that problem of not being in the Champions League. Well, they're not, they're not going to be in the Champions League. They will have that problem in uh, convincing players to join them if they're not in that competition. Uh, but it's a new era, um, as we've seen over the last few days. There's been some changes upstairs as well, or a little bit above uh, Eric Ten Hag or Ralph Rannick or whoever you want to Put in charge, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. They've been cycled through managers like nobody's business. Uh, let's move on because uh, I did want to do a little bit more on De Jong, but maybe we'll leave it for another day. Let's let's scoot across the city to Manchester City, Toby, and Pep Guardiola. Uh, obviously, I think he's out of contract in just over a year. Is that right? I think he's he's got a decision to make. Uh, and Jurgen Klopp has now signed a new deal uh, with Liverpool, as we mentioned. Uh, first off, uh, Toby, do you think that that might drive Pep to sign a new deal? And I'll bring Graham in in a second as well. Yes, absolutely. We say that the Man City-Liverpool rivalry isn't the same kind of rivalry that we enjoyed in the early 2000s between United and Arsenal, but that is the Premier League rivalry and it is going to be the Premier League rivalry for the, for the years to come. And make no mistake about it, it is Klopp against Pep. And Pep will care that Jurgen Klopp has got a better head-to-head record between the two of them. That will hurt him. He will care that Liverpool are this... Because Pep said that this City team is the best team that he's ever managed, isn't he? That's at some point, he's praised those players in those terms, but yet they just can't shrug off Liverpool. And Liverpool are the team that are on for the quadruple not Manchester City. And I think it irks Pep that he hasn't been able to shake them off. So the competitive side of Guardiola will be like, yeah, absolutely, I will sign a new contract. And we'll see them going head-to-head for the next three or four years. And unfortunately, Flaunt, I think Eric Ten Hag and United will probably still be fading in the background with Chelsea. But why would Pep want to leave at this moment in time unless he was fed up with football completely? It just makes sense for him to prolong his stay. Is that the case, Graham? Yeah, I totally agree with Toby. I think, you know, from what I'm being told, I think the city hierarchy are quite happy in some ways with the Klopp signing of his new deal. It's it's going to give him that inspiration. It's going to give him that. We'll have to see what happens with a title race. But, you know, they, he loves that chess match, doesn't he? He loves picking his wits against Klopp. I think because Klopp is that slightly different figure, you know, um, I wonder in the next few years, you might get a bit of winding each other up a bit more. We'd like to see that, I'm sure, from our point of view. We'd like to be a bit more grind between the two of them. But, yeah, I think, yeah, so what, what way is Pep going to go? He does like to, you know, he took a sabbatical before. We believe that that may come again in America at some point. But, you know, that's not going anywhere. New York City is always there for him. Um, I, I imagine he may look ahead to the World Cup in America and think, I think I said, a lot of managers are probably looking ahead to that World Cup and thinking in three years I'll take an international job and a lovely World Cup in North America, what better way? And I think we might see Pep do that. But in the meantime, I think he's got a good three years of City life ahead of him. And um, yeah, I'd be at this point very surprised if he doesn't extend by at least another couple of years and have this uh, battle with uh, Klopp. Obviously, if he wins the Champions League this season, as he's full, he, he gets that chip off his shoulder will he then think differently possibly but no I, th- I think he'll he'll sign some sort of extension yeah you'd make it you'd make it quite likely wouldn't you I don't think there's any sign yet of uh, this head-to-head I, I, I always hesitate to call it a rivalry because I'm sorry but there's no needle in it uh, I don't know what you guys think. Maybe we'll round off at this in this uh, in this it's place. It's a different kind of rivalry. It's just there's a- no needle, right, Toby? Like, how much drama can you get out of two teams who win every game? I'm sorry, it's just it's not drama. It's well, it, it can be, but I think with what with Pep as well, he's got um, he's likely got Haaland coming in, Julian Alvarez. I think he'll be so excited and 
those two players come in. We forget about Julian Alvarez, by the way. If you if you're not aware of his form of late, don't you look, Scott? But Toby, have a look at Julian Alvarez's recent form. It's frightening. He's yeah. averaging a goal a game, and and it, and it's going to be amazing. But I think with these players coming in, maybe Declan Rice, you know, I think I think Pep's got a bit between his teeth. He was a bit. He was a bit down a couple of years ago, wasn't he? But then they brought the new assistant in. I think City did a great job there. They rejuvenated the backroom staff. This is what, exactly what Alex Ferguson did. You know, when Arteta left, they thought, oh, no. But that's had ex- the exact effect that they wanted. It's really got him going again in a few different ideas. of Ramney told the players think he's a, he's been a different character in the last 18 months, which is what you've got to do. The, the difference, Florence, a rivalry is when two teams want to kick lumps out of each other. They fiercely dislike each other and they go into the game and there's passion. Man City and Liverpool, they are each other's competition. That's it. And the word rivalry has just been placed in there because they're neck and neck in the title race. It doesn't make it a rivalry. It just makes them two very good teams who win all the time and are in competition with themselves and nobody else. Um, But that's something Pep will want to come out on top of. So for me, he will want to stay until he's buried Jurgen Klopp once until he's buried him again, and then a third time round, and then he'll think, yep, I got the best of that, and then he can sail off into the New York sunset in a few years' time, and he can wind down his career on his terms. Yes, indeed. The greatest rivalry in Premier League history has no signs of stopping at the moment, according to Jamie Carragher. Uh, Oh, God, he set off a a debate there, didn't he, a few weeks ago? Uh, But yes, anyway, we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out, but I think most people would now expect... And don't forget, Toby, don't forget that Newcastle angle, which within 18 months will be there as well. So we've got another huge club on the horizon ready to challenge as well, which I think will intrigue them both. We'll see. Uh, Newcastle are going to do some business. I'm sure Graham will be kept busy uh, with Newcastle over the next two, three years, perhaps longer. Uh, This summer especially, you you expect there's going to be a lot of turnover in that squad too. Ten years, unfortunately. I think it'll be more ten years, unfortunately, Scott, from my middle's point of view. But hey, they'll keep me busy for sure. They will indeed. Uh, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at Graham Bailey for Graham, and at Toby underscore Cudworth. We are on all of the usual uh, podcast outlets. You know, Spotify, not a cast. No, sorry, Graham. Uh, I, Apple. I'm, 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 I'm on Google, but it's just not as good. Oh, it's just not as good as the whole community who are devastated. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. It's 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 okay, Google, but it's not the same. It's really give, it, same. give us a five star review on your podcast platform as well, if there is one to be done. And we will see you in around a week's time for some more transfer chat on talking transfers from nightyman.com. Thanks very much, guys, and thank you very much for listening.